Hey, serious privacy enthusiasts, ready to ace your AI data privacy game? Oh, you bet, Kate. Dive into the world of TrustSark's Nemity Research, your go-to for staying on top of regulatory developments in AI and privacy. Seriously, Nimity Research maintains a massive privacy and regulatory database featuring expert guidance and analysis from legal and privacy pros. So save time on privacy research, cut your compliance timeline, and reduce costs with Nimity Research. Get your regulatory research and insight at your fingertips with a free trial. So get ahead in privacy compliance and start that free trial today. Go to trustark.com slash nimity dash free dash trial. This is Serious Privacy by Trustark. Here are your hosts, Paul Breitbart and Kay Royal. Hello. It's another week with just Kay and a guest because Paul is traveling. I find it really interesting. This is probably what our podcast would have been like had COVID not shut everything down. Paul traveled a lot. I traveled a lot. So we would be doing episodes from the road, having various guests, recording at conferences, which Paul is currently doing for an upcoming episode. But let's get to today's episode. My name is Kay Royal, usually with Paul Breitbart, and welcome to Serious Privacy. My guest today is Gary Edwards. He's the executive advisor for Golfdale Consulting. You've probably seen some webinars with Gary and I from TrustArk because we do all kinds of fabulous metrics reporting year after year, what's going on around the world with privacy programs. But Gary, welcome. And with that introduction, are you ready for the unexpected question? I did not know that. Uh-oh. I am nervous, but I will see how I do. That's okay. You know, historically- Do I get graded or is it pass fail? It's, it's kind of pass fail. We haven't had anyone fail yet, so the bar is high. (laughs) Let's see. Ooh. Oh, I don't want to do that one. Oh, here we go. Yeah. What was the last road trip you took? Gosh, that's such a good question. See? No one's ever ready for it. We did a trip. We bought a villa in Gondolin, Turkey. Ooh. It's kind of a planes, trains, and automobiles trip, but I think it counts. And when you land, you got to take a nice little drive in. It's a beautiful seaside. You know, the Mediterranean is just gorgeous, that part of the world. And so how's that for bragging rights? We have, I'll, I'll take that good. one. Yeah. I like, it's much more exciting than mine. Probably <laughs> my last road trip was between Phoenix and Tucson. Well, that's exciting too. I mean, at least for a Canadian, that seems exotic to me. Right. So. If we go beyond that, we're talking about driving from like Atlanta to Seneca, South Carolina when I land at the airport. So, you know, I'm not sure I have, I'm that exciting for road trips. <laughs> but I am looking at buying an RV. Oh, that's cool. We'll All see. Right. I'm not sure I'm yeah. an RV person. My husband says my shoes alone tell people I'm not an RV person. <laughs> Here's the thing, Kay. I, I mean, a lesson I learned, I was going to buy a cottage years ago. And so friends were like all on it. Got so many people in my life that I care about that have them. And then, so we made a smart decision. We rented one season. Nice. And I was like, that was awesome. I'm not going to buy a cottage though. <laughs> I don't want to spend Friday night driving and Sunday night driving. I just want to relax on the weekend. So we we made a, we built a pool instead. So I like that. I want to offer you unsolicited advice. I know it's a world of privacy and you have to respect without your consent. I'm going to offer you advice anyways. 
and that is rent one. See if you like rent it. Rent one. You know, that occurred to us once and then completely forgot about it. We should <laughs> rent one. We should rent one because if we did, it would only be to go from here to South Carolina where my daughter is that has my grandchildren. So nice. but I have to be able to work along the way. And I'm sure I've got fans out there that have kind of tried the road tripping thing during the pandemic. And you're supposed to be able to get satellite internet while you yeah. travel. So I don't know how good that works. We'll, we'll ask our fans to speak up. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into this. The wonderful thing is, I think you did a webinar with one of my favorite people at Trust Arc, Andrew Scott. Given Andrew, big shout out there. Love him. Andrew was great. Oh, isn't he amazing? Adore him. So I know you did that. And so some of the information we might be presenting might be a little, a little, they may have heard it before if they tuned into the webinar, but we might throw some new stuff in there. The great new stuff is it's me and Gary. And Gary and I have a lot of fun when we do shows. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of you may not have tuned into it. So we have it. So we have some wonderful information to start with. I'm not going to drive it, Gary. Tell me, oh where would gosh. you like us to go first? Well, the, I think the topic today is metrics and KPIs in the wonderful world of measurement as it relates to privacy. And so we have, a, I think, an interesting take on it, which is, and we've got some data to share with you today, but the thing we did this year that we've done for the last three years is we did an annual global survey on the topic. So we've got an additional metric that people might not think of when they think of privacy, and that is we got a pretty good benchmark on where companies, people believe they stand with their companies on a global basis when it comes to privacy. And so and I love it because there. it is global. It's my understanding there were over 30 countries that were represented and like 1,400 respondents. Yeah, 1,400 plus, 30 plus countries. And the cool thing is we take a 360 degree view. So we definitely want to hear from executives. We want to hear from middle management. We also want to hear from frontline employees. And then all of that could provide a really good 360 view, but we take it further still. And we talk to privacy team leaders and privacy team employees or, or team, the leaders and the team members, and we get their perspectives as well. So we get lots of input from people around the world some who are heavily involved in the privacy function, some who aren't. But of course, it impacts us all. And I'm sure you want to jump in and say, oh, it's, I everyone's do. Responsibi- it's everyone's responsibility. So we want to talk to everyone. It is. Unlike Smokey the Bear, we are not <laughs> only you can prevent data breaches. We we do believe it. I love the people that actually have a team to work with and actually have executives that might be interested in what they're doing. What I am curious is, did we have security people? Because we've noticed a lot of privacy is falling into the security realm, which I think should never happen because I think there's there's some conflict of interest there. And yeah, I'm talking to my hands because I do this a lot. Did we, do you know, did we get security people responding as well? You know it. I. You might not know. Your first test, I'm going to fail this one. We didn't ask everybody their title. Okay. So I actually don't know that. We asked them if they belong to the privacy team or not, but we didn't ask them their specific title within that. Okay. And that's fine. And that's fine. We can go. That might be something I know every year you look at. Do we add a new question? Do we do something? So it might be something to think about for next year. I'm going to bookmark that. Yeah. So I, I love that because it's the reporting lines. And I know we're KPIs, but it's the reporting lines that are starting to make a big difference. Do they report up to legal? Are they their own department reporting directly to the CEO? Do they report to ops and finance? I see that a lot. 
Do they report to compliance and ethics? I see that a lot. Do they report up through security? And I see that a lot. I've seen some that report up through marketing. And I said this one time in a show and a guy came up to me afterwards. He's like, yeah, I think we're the company that you had that privacy reported to marketing. We changed that. Gotcha. He didn't need to. They were a marketing company. So it made perfect sense to me that privacy report, but okay. So Okay. But, but Kay, I actually, now, you know, I'm a researcher data guy, so I'm I might be a little too thick when I get my answers. We didn't ask their title, but we did ask who they report to. Okay. So maybe I've overstated it. Yeah. No, so. you could be because it could be security reporting to the CEO. But I like that. he You did ask who they report to. And who do they report to? Well, you know, I think it's kind of an indicator that this this field is definitely omnipresent, but it hasn't. If I if I may just look at the data, I don't know how much it's matured. And the reason right. I state that is because it's across the board. So the, the number one modal, as we say in research, like the, the one most common is to the chief privacy officer. That might not be a surprise, but that's 18%. But just following okay. behind that is the chief information security officer, which ah. goes to your point, 16%. Another 16% the chief financial officer. I'm not surprised. Then it drops down. I won't give you all of them, but I'll give you the next to the CTO. So. Okay. Which I didn't mention the chief technology officer, but it was it was right there twiggling in my mind. Yeah. So I think it must, you know, given who people report to. Some indicator. Some indicator that yeah, there's probably a lot of security people in there, or they're 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 cubicles right next to the security person. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not on a different floor because they belong in the same team, they're answering the same people. It's quite likely that Oh my goodness. I love it. I love it. So, okay. So as we dig into this, and I think the one that I will cover the privacy program maturity models, because we're probably going to use that terminology as we chit chat. Y'all may be familiar with them, may not be. They come from the AICPA model. I think they're wonderful to go by. We use them at TrustArc when we look at programs. It starts at ad hoc, where things are informal, incomplete, inconsistently applied, repeatable. You have the processes but they might not be fully documented or they might not be fully implemented. Now, I was always of the thing of, yeah, you have a policy or you have a process. You just don't have it formally documented. Fully documented, cover all relevant aspects, manage. You also address the effectiveness of the controls and then optimize, which as I always say, you don't have to aim for optimize. There are very few companies that aim for optimize. But you get review and feedback and continual improvement towards it. Now, we have had some companies that step up and go, yeah, we aim for optimized and we reach that. No surprise, they're probably on your Fortune 50 list. They got the resources and the needs to make that happen. So, Well, it's interesting. Of course, I think that's a great, you know, it's a maturity model and I think it's fantastic. One of the questions we ask many, but one of the questions we ask when we create our benchmark is, you know, how important is it? And, and along with that, how does it affect ba- day-to-day business decisions? Right. Because you're not usually thinking that maturity model, right? Right. Because that is an indicator of maturity. So the top point of the scale, like the best mark you can get is it's of great importance and almost every decision taken takes into account privacy. The bottom of that scale is, well, it's not of much importance. And, you know, we take it into account in a few decisions. Or, or as we see often, we're about to go live and oh crap, someone said the privacy officer might want to look at this. Kay, can you look at this? Because we, we, we put it live this morning, but we just want to make sure you're good with it. Right. Yeah. Y'all, y'all saw my expression on that one, didn't y'all? 
I caught a bit of tone, as they say. They usually so, can see. They usually can hear my eyes roll. <laughs> you can yeah. you can hear your eyes rolling. If they do. We a actually have a sticker with that. Paul rocks and Kay rolls her eyes. Oh, they hear the rock and rollers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness, love that one. So, okay. So what do we got? I, you know, I'm a numbers guy. So here's your first number. We've got thirty-seven yeah. percent. So just over a third saying it's of great importance in almost every decision taken. And again, this is now. Remember, this isn't us doing some sort of audit or assessment. Like people can give whatever answer they can, and you think, well, you know, people kind of have a tendency to work or self-aggrandization, or give themselves top marks. We didn't see that here. People were pretty no. <laughs> Actually, it went down from 21 and 20. Yeah, it did. The, the, we created an index, and that index, can. I think it's kind of cool. You can score anywhere from minus 100 all the way to a plus 100. Right. Yeah, into all the math, it's there if somebody wants to tune into the webinar or follow up with a question. But the idea is that, yeah, you get a top mark for, say, giving that five on that five-point scale. But if you gave a one or two, we're going to take a mark away because that's not good enough. Kind of like a net promoter score, but more sophisticated. A little bit like the net promoter. You can you can lose points, too. And you know, kind of with tongue in cheek, say, you know, what if I came to Kay and I said, hey, I, I got this important secret. Can I share it with you? You know, would you keep it? Would you just keep it to yourself? And, and you came back and said, oh, you know, maybe. It depends. Probably. <laughs> it depends. I'm like, I'm not sure I want to share that with you now. So, you know, you lose a point for that. It's, the bottom mark isn't just neutral. It's like, no, that means that right. means you can't trust it. And so with that range, what we found is that this year, that average score kind of worked out nicely, mathematically, if you will, at 50%. So okay. half, the, half the companies were above 50% on that index, and then half were below. And, you know, even like just shy of 20% were below zero. So some were really... Some people had some grave concerns about how well their companies were doing. The companies were anonymous, but some people had grave concerns with how well their employer was doing at keeping both their employee and their customer data, all of their data, and and the secrets they keep, if you will. Right. That's what privacy does. Black hole of privacy. We don't tell anybody anything. (laughs) Question. So I can see that we went down from... 45 and 46 on the two prior years to 37 this year for the great importance. Almost every decision includes privacy. Went up on the important and many decisions. Went up on the somewhat important some decisions. You don't want to see that. You kind of want to go up to another. And then not of more more importance, which also went up, what you're alluding to. However, how does the audience compare? Do we have more countries represented in this one than we did before? And I know you have corporate breakdowns probably of, yeah, over their revenue and everything. Did we see a big change in that? Are we reaching more people to get more answers and therefore naturally might have lower level responses because now we're in some of the countries that have developing privacy laws? Well, I, it could. You can hear the hope in my voice. Yeah, sure. No, I, I think the hope in your voice is you can explain away some of it, but okay. you can't explain away all of it. And here's how you can explain away some of it. We were able to get to more companies, and there seems to be a threshold here. If you're in that category of a small company, not small, I don't mean one or two, I mean like under under 50 million, your score is relatively like if you're in a if you're in a five billion dollar company, your scores have been pretty steady year over year. Right. You're doing well. But if you're in a smaller company, and so I think this year it wasn't so much more geography. We had really good coverage in the prior two years, but we did pick up some more folks who were from that small business category, okay. small to medium. 
And their scores tended to be lower on this. Now, when I took that into account and looked at it, it, they still dipped a little bit year over year, perhaps not as dramatically as I'm I'm saying. It wasn't a full 10-point drop, but there was a drop year over year. So I think there are some other things underway. Yeah. As you may be aware, Kate, we had a little pandemic. We had some global wars. We had some stuff going on that might have just... Little thing here and there. Some inconvenient happenings. We had, you know, the threat of a global recession. We had a lot of things that were on our mind, but not just privacy. And And a lot of people losing their jobs, unfortunately, in a lot of high tech companies. So, you know, privacy might not have been top of their mind. Absolutely. You know, and I think this is just a a truism of business. When when you've got something new and important and privacy, I would put into this category that it wasn't like when I, we had a software company before and we were in that $50 million range. You know, people just used to talk openly, like the board, the investors were like, hey, you know, let, let's look at your click throughs and like monetize that. There wasn't much concern. For it, and we were very concerned about it. We didn't do anything bad, but you had to be, you know, you had to have your own ethics. There was no yeah. one imposing it from the outside. There was actually pressure to monetize every piece of data you've got. Uh, irrespective of why people came in and used your right. and service. Now, so, I mean, we were very good about it because yeah. I came from the survey world and it was, you know, I had a survey basis. To it, so I, There's some ethics baked into to how you came to it. And, and like yeah. we tell people, a lot of startups, unfortunately, make mistakes when it comes to their management of personal data. One, they may not understand what personal data is, especially right. once you look outside the U.S. and you start looking at Europe or Korea China, South America, Canada, there are different definitions of personal data and vastly different definitions of sensitive personal data. So one, they don't understand what it is they're managing. But two, once they get up to where they they can be acquired, they're devaluing themselves 50%. Sometimes because the data they collected, they collected illegally or against the laws. Let's just say they they did not follow the law when they corrected it. Let's stay away from that illegal word. <laughs> And they didn't follow the law when they retained it. They mixed it. They sold it. They shared it. They monetized it. They may not have been following the law of that region when they did so. So it really is important for startups to to get here. And I, oh, you don't know how bad I want to like create programs for startup companies. Just start up in a box. Boom. Here you go. But nevertheless, Let's look at some of the actual KPIs. I know, I know we're getting into this. Oh, hold on, hold on. You gave me some slides for some information. So I just got to the one on senior executives and privacy executives. There's a big difference there. Yeah. The interesting thing is, and this doesn't surprise me, uh, senior executives tend to have, and I don't know what truth is. I'm just, you know, we report the data and look to you to interpret it. I'll give you what I see here, which is, Senior executives tend to have a more positive view than privacy executives. Now, I've seen this phenomena in other, you know, I'm a researcher by trade. So I've seen this phenomena in other spheres of influence, if you will, other issues, which is the people right in the thick of it tend to have a more (laughs) skeptical view. And they're because they know they can always do more. You wouldn't have a job if it wasn't hard. So just take Take a breath. It's okay. But they tend to look at the world in terms of, look, we need to do so much more and we're not, you know, I'm, my world is a world of frustration and, and some good, but I'm working on an uphill battle here. Anybody doing something new and important, I, I think, has to know they're going to experience that. Executives tend to have a more rosy view, which is, yeah. you know, they, they're scoring like, what, uh, do you have that in front of you? They're scoring like, 
Yeah. By memory, they're like 10, 20 points higher. Just saying they, no, they are. They're like 30 points higher. 27% <laughs> on privacy executives say that privacy is of great importance and permeates almost every decision, whereas senior executives are 57%. Yeah. On the next level down, almost the exact same. Privacy is important and gets considered in many decisions. 54% for privacy executives, 34% for senior executives. So yeah. I think that's true. One, because we do tend to present the positive when we have to present out. We're sharing upwards. This is what we've accomplished. This is how far we've moved. They don't like right. to hear the negatives. Oh, you wouldn't let me do A, B, C, D, E. But and then senior executives are probably looking the same thing going, oh, my God, I can't ever get away from the privacy person. I'm always hearing things. It's an error <laughs> decision I do. I can't escape it. So I, I can understand how that how that happens. It can. So I want to skip down. Do we have the slides on the actual what KPIs should they be yeah. measuring? Okay. Yeah, the audience can't see it, but I'll direct you to slide night. Okay. I'm with so, you. <laughs> well, so if this is actually showing something else, I'm going to tell you this first, Kay, whether or not you can see it. Let me just find this for you. Now, here's what we discovered when we asked people, does your company currently measure the effectiveness of its privacy program? Actually, 66% said yes. This is overall. 14% said no. And I'm including this other result, which is 20% said, well, I don't even know. <laughs> so, And I think that's an important result that's wrote there, which is that's something you ought to know. Now, you know, that it could be the people they're reporting up to, because you said you you also got executives who they, you know, you might have got some of those that maybe they handle privacy indirectly rather than right. directly. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing, though. If you said, yeah, I, I was trying to look at a slide. If you said yes, and you definitively knew that your company currently measured the effectiveness of different topics, if you said no, you definitively know that your company doesn't measure it. Your average score on a privacy index, it tanked at 23%. Oh, wow. So oftentimes, you, as in the world of KPIs, it because you measure it doesn't mean it's going to be wonderful. Right. But you can tell somebody who isn't doing anything to manage something that you can be pretty confident they're not going to do well at it. And so I think I would draw your attention to that right away. That I like that. Thank stepping you. up and doing something and measuring it which is, you know, the old adage, if you can't, you got to measure it or you can't If it's not it. on paper, it didn't happen. This is basically yeah, exactly. the same thing. If you're not measuring it, you didn't do it. If you can't document exactly. it. Okay. Can't document. So then let's look at our next one, which is, okay. you look at your next slide there. What's your primary method of measurement? Now we made you pick one and we get that you might've used several. And again, just as I said earlier, there's many different reporting structures, if you will. Right. There's many different ways. And I don't know if we even, you know, next year we'll, we'll expand this list, but the number one method of measurement was privacy audit assessments. Okay. 26%. Not surprising. Yeah. Followed by implementation and compliance with several privacy laws. Okay. And then just below that, two tied for number third, three is generally accepted privacy principles like gap assessments. Yep. And implementation of one overall framework or standard. Okay. And then the, the final one was a regular program maturity assessment. So okay. that's the just the measure. That's 
some sort of method of measurement. And I think I like it. Yeah, methods of measurement. I just w- would offer that you know these are operational. Cap- these are op- sorry. These are operational measures. And what people say about operational measures, like these are your tactical things. If you're not doing these, like I gain, you got to be doing something. I'm sure you could offer that the list gets longer, but but we tell people quite often. I don't care what measurement you use, use a framework. I don't care what framework. I don't care how it measures it. Use a framework, use a measurement. Pick one and go forth. Absolutely. Like the doctor saying to improve your health, find some activity you like to do and go do it. Jogging, swimming, measuring operationally, let's get going on something. As you get into it, you might want to improve that. You might want to change it. But let's start somewhere. Yeah. With that measurement. Comes some, I think maturity goes along with it. It does. Take the first step. You got to take that first step. And so I don't know if you've got a definitive opinion on what step has to be. Mine is more generic, which is do something, man. <laughs> do something. I love it. Do something. Just do it. Do something. I can't and... use that as the title, but just do it. <laughs> get, okay. Get, get so that sets us up for the next thing. What are they doing? What is that next step that is most popular across the companies when they're looking at how do you measure your effectiveness in what controls, in what ways? Right. So your actual so, KPIs. KPIs. And you know, I, I know the audience is smart. They know what a KPI is, but I'll just give you my simple, oversimplified definition, but I think it's helpful, which is it's it's a it's a measurement plus an accountability. So the beautiful thing about a KPI is. You're not typically as a as an executive going to put put in place a KPI unless you're going to hold somebody somebody's you know the old expression hand to the fire you're gonna you're gonna expect somebody to do it right and and, and KPI literally stands for key performance indicators. Now absolutely. my company uses uh, OKRs. If we look at what we've got here, it's the correct it's objectives and key requirements. But ah, there we go, objectives and key requirements. Yeah, it's it's like you're doing something. So, you know, the way that I like to think about it is like if you looked at a KPI and we'll look at one response time to data subject requests. Well, that's an actual number that you're going to measure. Like it's, right. it's, there's a time and you're going to get a benchmark for that. You're going to look as an executive to how other companies similar to yours do it. And then you're just going to look over. You can index that and over time say, well, let's just say month number one, we're, we're going to set that. If you want to index something, we're going to set that to 100. And every month we're going to just see if we're up or down from that measurement. So uh, with an OKR, I think what you're doing there is just saying, look, I don't know if we even have a way of measuring it. And ah, so an OKR would be, we've got we've got six months to put in place a method for doing this. And so an OKR would be set like, let's get this figured out how we actually right. do it. And what's just the indicator that. that we succeeded? What do we need to exactly. hit to say, yes, we got these objectives met? Okay. And yeah. the KPIs that that you ask about now, I don't know how many you actually ask about that they can choose from. Yeah, we give them four big ones. Okay. And again, next year, I'm sure you can correct me. Okay, we'll we'll get we'll get a longer list for next year, but we wanted to start someplace. Well, I think the place you started was fabulous. Oh, thank you. Well, of course, we got all, for all the content we had, uh, your experts helping us with this, so credit where it's due. But in any event, the number one tied for number one. Just over 50% are saying, of those who measure are saying they've got a KPI, which is a response time to data subject requests, one I just mentioned, or the PIA, the Privacy Impact Assessment Completion Rates. Right. And that's a hard number that they can they can measure. They can measure the number of requests they get in, but if they're documenting it right, like through our individual rights manager, 
if they're documenting it, right, they know how many days it was that they responded to the person. And so yes. that that's a measurement they can see. It's a hard point, a hard reference point. They OK, I like it. Yes. And, you know, just to make uh, again, so it's obvious and for p- people listening, this one, we didn't make you pick one. Doesn't make sense. With KPIs on anything important. Oftentimes you have several measurements that you're undertaking and holding people accountable to. So okay. those two are tied for number one, just over 50%. That drops down to not that much, but just under 50% to 42%, which is number of privacy complaints. And just see how many people are complaining. Right. Well, they may and- not have anyone complaining. They might not. Here's a funny thing about measurement. And so, you know, my counsel when we took this on is is to, and I would offer to your audience, look, you know, because I'm a social scientist by trade, look at crime statistics. Crime statistics, when you first start measuring them, take a huge spike the first yeah. couple of years. Why? Because we didn't measure it before. You can't look at history and say, well, we never had any complaints before. We must be doing well. <laughs> you, know, you don't have a way to, you weren't Got listening it. before. So now Got that it. you're listening, and now that you're educating your audience that they can do something about it, I would offer to companies, again, take a breath, put in place the measure, expect all else be just like the phenomena of measurement is expect it might go up a little. Don't get freaked out because that means you're refining the measurement. That also means your audience who also believes it's important is paying attention to it. They might be oversensitized to it. They might exaggerate. Some, not every complaint is worthwhile. I would just offer that's okay. Your job is to work through that. So things settle down and you can get a good handle on it. And as you've got a good handle on it, part of maturity is then we reduce, we look at the complaints, we look at the actual complaints and we reduce those over time. Right. So I would say measure it, put it in place, measure it, expect it might go up for a little bit because you're doing it better and your audience knows it better. And so just like any phenomena, you're gonna, you're gonna. I'm not gonna mention which crime statistics, but all the ones that have been put in place the last 50 years, you see a big spike. Right. The first and of years. and if you d- if you get none, that's still valid because now you're more aware of what it is that you're measuring. Right. And getting none Absolutely. would be a valid statistic at this point. That is valid. You you made you made it. You know, and like anything, you don't. So, and I think this is important because we're talking measurement. I'm very sensitive to this kind of this issue, which is. Don't make these vanity metrics. Right. These are, I know, I know the old adages, you know, the, the metrics are operational and these are strategic. Somebody says it's strategic, then somebody puts it in place and then everybody gets freaked out that we got to have, a, we got to have a low number and it's got to go down over time. And then people start gaming it. So I'm like, before all that nonsense settles in, do measure it. Don't get freaked out. I think it, for it to be a good KPI, it should have some operational basis, which is, it's not a vanity metric. It's like something we take seriously. It's easy to complain. It's easy for us to address. Not necessarily easy, but we got a method for addressing those complaints. And if anybody wanted, we got transparency around how we manage this. And that's kind of a mature program in anything. And I think I would include privacy in anything. Like anything you're doing that's worthwhile involves that sort of arc of truth. So I would just encourage your audience to think that way when they put in place some of these metrics. You're not just chasing a lower number. One, I'm going to say that no one who listens to our podcast would game the metrics. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Never. But you can yeah. also add a metric as to how many. Like what you want is an optimized system where you're like, look, every complaint that comes in, we take it seriously. We have a method of addressing it. The audience might not, you know, the person complaining, it, it could be innocent. They might just might not understand. They clicked that they right. accepted something. And then later on, they changed their mind, but didn't tell us. So 
they complain. It's like, okay, we hear you. We, you know, we, we have a method for addressing that and for closing off that case. And I don't know that, you know, some people also just like it's rare, but you know, there can be fraud or whatever. So you just there, there could be. understand as any mature business process, you're going to manage all of that. You're going to take it seriously and you're going to get to an optimized percentage where you say, this is healthy. But the breach notification one is different. Uh, yeah, I was talking about the complaints. Yeah. Yes, the breach notification different. But here's the thing, even with, with that one, it's response time. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, because we I work in the world of survey. So part of a survey can be like, hey, we'll get back to you if you've got a, if you've got a complaint. This isn't a privacy issue, but just somebody puts it on. Well, what's the optimal time to get back to somebody? Is it three within three days where you say, yeah, we optimize this? Like second you fill out a survey, we don't just have somebody waiting by the phone, pick it up and say three hours, maybe it's three days. You set a standard. And here's the thing with the standard is you communicate that back. You're, the, the ethics of that is you're communicating it back to your customer or to others. And you're saying, we have a system and we will get back to you in this amount of time. And what we do is we do what we say we're going to do. I think right. that's, the, that's, if you will, the world of privacy, that's the moral obligation of the company is to of all of us is to do the thing we're saying we're going to do. I think it's it's central to the issue of privacy. And so again, I think with a lot of these measurements, they, they, from philosophy back to the metrics is you want to optimize them and then you want to do what you say you're going to do. Right. That's the and that's some you want to get some measurement that you're able to actually <laughs> you're able to actually execute on the things you promised. Yeah. And I'm thinking of, you know, the privacy data protection officers that are out there that are data protection officers should be measuring as well, but looking at what else could they possibly do? The only ones that come to mind for me are like vendor assessments. DAs, do you have DPAs in place? How many DPAs out of how many you need to have in place? How many vendors have you assessed? And that needs to be on an annual basis. You need to go back and reassess them annually and re-up them. So that's the only other really thing that comes to mind. I can't really think of a whole lot else that privacy metrics, KPIs that someone could measure that could be a statistic. Now, please, fans, let me know if there's something else you can think of that would be a good KPI. I'd I'd love to hear it, but I really can't hear of much else. I really can't think of much else. So that's really, really good. Thanks. I think, so. well, well, hey, I just offer this too, which I think, you know, as for, com- and I'm talking more to companies who've already matured, got in place, fit to purpose software, plug for you all at TrustArc, but also, you know, just have their up either at right. or close to that optimization phase. So they're doing everything right. I'd offer this because I've worked with a lot of companies who, you know, people, who are successful get, you know, just like a kid who's successful at math will get a tutor and get even better. Companies are kind of like that. Some who are the greatest also take it so seriously that they, they're always agitating to get better. So I've worked right. with a lot of great companies and, and you know, that's a gift I've been given, which is to work with them as with you all. And there's, there's another kind of category of problem, which is, and it has to do with, I think specifically in your world, the world of your clients, rather, your customers, and that's the supply chain. Other things that I would put into the category, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Because somebody is thinking about it with respect to you. Your brand is in the middle of this equation somewhere. And I think part of having a mature program is also just having your eyes wide open to some of this noise that comes in and, you know, don't ignore it and don't just walk away saying, well, that's, you know, Right. It's not our fault. Somebody else in the supply chain, you know, we provided the data here and then they misused it or somebody for us and we got a hold of it. We used it. 
you got it. There's a whole, there's a whole, especially in the world of data, which I'm very aware of. Yeah. You, yeah. You've got to be thinking outside of your sandbox as well. Not your fault. Don't end up being your problem. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it. And as, as we know, we try to limit this to about 30 minutes. I think right. I've gone a little bit over, but not much. But the information is that Gary, is there anything that we didn't talk about that when I invited you to come on, you're like, oh, yeah, I need to make sure I say X or Y. Like, where's my next road trip? Could have been a good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it somewhere fabulous. I like your idea of being in Turkey. I got to come up with a good place I can go to yeah, have a exactly. good road trip. What, what's next for you, Kay? You got to come up to Canada here. Come up. We got we got winter settling in. Beautiful skiing. No, 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 no. See that white <laughs> stuff that comes from the heavens? That is Satan's doing. He <laughs> fell. So did the white stuff. It's it's, it's evil. It's all angel driven. Wait till about <laughs> January. Some good powder come up and see. Oh, like Buffalo, New York had what, like five feet that was dumped five, on them feet? last yeah. week? Two, oh, my gosh. See, that's just horrible. Oh, that's why I live in Arizona. I like well, the desert. folks in Buffalo, I'd say, you know, moderation is the key. Like a <laughs> foot of it is fun. Five or six feet is a little ridiculous. That That is true. Absolutely true. Well, Gary, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I love talking about these studies and these programs. I think they give really good information. And I like the fact that you do them year after year after year and we get more insight. So with that, fans, uh, I will let y'all go. I'll bring us to a close. If you like us, please uh, rate us, make comments in your favorite uh, podcast app or on the Buzzsprout that we use. Please make sure to follow us on LinkedIn. You can find Paul or myself easily. I will tag Gary for y'all if you want to connect with him. We also have a serious privacy page on LinkedIn. So feel free to follow us there. We do have Twitters, but I'm 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 kind of pausing right now on that one. But feel free to find us. We are out there for your enjoyment. Thank y'all. And Paul would say goodbye. And I will say bye y'all. That was serious privacy. Hey listeners, looking to navigate the realm of responsible AI data privacy governance? Well, look no further. Absolutely. TrustArc is paving the way, offering a complete approach to managing privacy risks in the world of AI. TrustArc allows organizations to confidently use AI with personal or sensitive data, moving forward efficiently and cost-effectively. And here's the kicker. Protect your company and data with TrustArc's privacy-driven compliance software. Because their deep automation streamlines data privacy governance cutting your time to compliance with automated data mapping, risk assessments, and regulatory reporting. TrustArc's enhancements go way beyond that, helping organizations understand AI better and align cross-functionally on data governance, privacy, and security. Plus, they provide guidance on privacy governance for AI and how to mitigate risks using frameworks like NIST AI, OECD AI, and the Nemesis Privacy Management Accountability Framework. If you're aiming for compliance excellence, check out Privacy Central, seriously one of my best parts. It uses automation and privacy expertise to understand your requirements, build and manage your privacy program with ease. Oh, I agree. Privacy Central is your go-to to measure your progress toward responsible AI data compliance. Stay ahead with TrustArc's Privacy Central. Visit TrustArc.com now 
ask me a Paul if you have any questions. <laughs>